Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have the one, the only, Mr. Glenn Pash, and the oh-so-internationally famous Jeff Williams. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to jam with me today. Sure, great to be here. It's a pleasure. Hey, for everyone out there that's listening and watching right now and don't know about you two fine gentlemen, I think it'd be a great way to kick off our podcast today with a couple origin stories. So Glenn, I'll start with you. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Um, let's see, probably about 12 years ago now, I left a job uh, that I'd been for about 12 years, 14 years before that. So I was sort of in job transition. I was doing some consulting work and I went down to my brother who had started an S, you know, a digital agency. He was helping me market my consulting business. And as I was watching his business grow, um, he needed some help building structure and operations. And that's what I was good at. So we sort of traded services and then looked at each other one day and said, why don't we work together? So we've been together now since, uh, I would say probably 11, 12 years. And, um, the other thing was, is automotive just was never a conscious decision. You know, when you start your own business, you do work for whoever, friends, families, and, um, Brian tells a story that one of one of the people he went to because he was just doing SEO was a, the person he got his car from. And he said, you need SEO. And the person said, I have no idea what that was. So they come up with some barter trade. And automotive just was a very opportunistic time frame because way back when, that was just when digital dealer was starting. That was just when there was a lot of you know, there were a lot of forums way, way back in the day. You sat on the forums and chatted and spoke. And so we built our business really by writing, talking, getting it out to events and then eventually hosting events. And so that's sort of uh, automotive just has become our biggest vertical because we've been really successful at it. It's one of those industries that once it sucks you in, it just it's it's got a hold of you and you will never get out. But you know what, Glenn, it's, it's so true. I think for a lot of people that I meet is like very few people ever just kind of one day go, you know what, I'm going to be in the automotive industry. You know, it seems like for the most of us, we all kind of fell into or walked into it. Or for me, I got conned into it from my roommate at the time. <laughs> so, But Jeff, for yourself, how did you get started in this industry? Oh man, it's it's kind of like your stories. Um, automotive became a second chance for me, and it became my best chance, at least best to date. And I'm in love with it as well as you guys are. You know, I was in the restaurant business, managing a restaurant, and uh, up in Vancouver Island. And the owner of the hotel came to me and said, "Jeff, you're rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. Get into sales, and you'll make a million bucks." <laughs> so I found myself in the car business. Found myself working for a training company. Started my own training company 24 years ago in my friend Brian's garage. And uh, that was the beginning of Absolute Results 24 years ago in Victoria, BC. That's awesome. I love businesses that start in a garage. I started in my basement. I hope 20 year, cool. 24, from, 24 years from now, I get to tell the same story. Hey guys, um, I, I wanna kinda kick off our questions today with you know, just kinda getting a baseline. Cause it seems like every single time I jump on one of these podcasts with somebody, um, things are changing. I mean, things are changing so fast. I mean, they're, they're changing weekly, uh, daily, um, depending where you are, might even be hourly. So I'm curious right. for yourself, guys, what does the current norm look like for you? Glenn, I'll ask you, and then Jeff will ask the same question. Uh, you know, from the day-to-day -day working with our clients, I would say nothing's changed in, in one facet. Um, you know, the team is still doing their work. I'm still chatting on the phone, talking, doing sales, creating content. Uh, the, the difference was probably about, I guess, we're going on 70 plus days, I guess, middle of March, we went to fully remote. So our agency, all of the people are working at home. Um, you know, they've managed very well. We, we sat in the beginning, I did a little webinar about working from home and what they needed to really focus on. And 
you know, from agency work, you don't, you miss the collaboration of seeing each other, but the technical work that people would do, they're doing it and we're getting it done. Now we have had the ability, I popped into the office once in a while, but um, other than that, my actual day, I've, you know, I was talking with a friend the other day, I've picked up two hours of commuting time back from not having to drive to the office or just time being on airplanes. As much as I would like to travel, you actually, I'm getting more work done in at home because it's, you know, nine o'clock in the morning into the office and out at lunch and then back in and doing work. So, um, there's been good and bad. I mean, on one side, I, uh, my wife actually today asked me the question saying, you know, we were, we've been married 18 years. And she said, have we ever spent this long of a time together in one space? And I had to think about it. And I said, we've been together, you know, like I'm honeymoon for two weeks or something, but not for two and a half months. And I said, no. And we sort of laughed and said, okay, I guess we're good. We didn't kill each other yet. Um, and you know, I spend more time with the kids, and it's been it's been in a lot of ways very good and relaxing. And you got a chance to look at things and do things that maybe were always on your to do list, but you didn't get to. So, uh, but the company's doing well, adding on new clients. Company is, you know, we're we're get prepping for our uh, our conference, which we can talk about later. But we went from live to virtual, so that's been a big uh, focus point for us. But uh, you know, looking forward to getting back with the team. Uh, I think we've targeted July to start getting back in the office in some sort of rotation. That that's exciting, and I'm kind of hoping to do the same. I mean, a lot of my team's been remote for a very long time, so for us, that wasn't much of a change. Everyone was pretty right. used to that. But uh, I, I do miss being on the road, even though I'm with you, Glenn, I've like, from a productivity perspective, like the amount of time I've gained back, which has actually been kind of mm -hmm. cool, because then I've been able to actually put that time back into spending with the kids. Um, you know, I just right. taught my youngest to ride a bike without uh, training wheels today. So that, that was pretty cool. And I was just being able to find that time in the day to be able to do that. It, it's been some pluses, sure. but I'm with you. I am looking forward to getting back on a plane. I am looking forward to getting back on the road. I, I'm, a, I'm a handshake kind of a guy. Like I love being in front of someone. So I hope that will happen sooner rather than later. Hey, Jeff, right. for, your, for yourself, what does your current norm look like? Well, it's drastically different. I mean, we started this year off just gangbusters. And of course, we do business uh, in 19 countries. And I visit most of them multiple times over the course of the year. So I probably missed out on 50,000 air miles, dog on it. <laughs> you know, and so it's it, it has been a big shift. You know, I have enjoyed being being home. It's been a challenge to find inspiring places. I do a lot of writing, create a lot of content, love being around dealers that are innovative and showing up in showrooms during events and training. And, and I love those inspiring opportunities. Uh, I do my best thinking at 30,000 feet, doggone it. So um, I've learned to do my best thinking in my home office, out in my little boat, go out on the water for a little bit there and uh, hop on the motorcycle, go, go to different places. So um, for me, it's been different. I mean, we've... Um, We've seen a big shift in our business, obviously. Any given month, we'll have 500 events happening with trainers and stores. And so basically to go almost zero in April, and now, now May, we're up 20%, we're 20% of our post-COVID or pre-COVID volume, and June will be 50%. So we're seeing markets, you know, we have our first events this weekend in France in, in two months, which is exciting. We have Belgium opening up. We've got, uh, I think, some things at the end of the month in Australia. And of course, Western Canada has been a bit of an anomaly, you know, um, now it's dealer to dealer, one dealership. Well, it's funny. Uh, one of my, my reps was in one of the dealership a few weeks ago. He said I was in one, one side of the city and everybody was masks, plexiglass shields, like, like standing distance, um, you know, and 10 minutes across town, everybody's high-fiving in the showroom. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> crazy, the extremes. And of course, uh, yeah, Western Canada wasn't as badly hit and we're a little more spread out. Um, but it's been interesting just to see the different reactions and responses of dealers to the sure. market. Yep. And, yep. Um, you know, we have a lot of you, a business in the U.S. in your area there, Glenn, in the Northeast with a lot of the premium brands. So it's a holy macro. It's lockdown city. It's uh, New yeah, Zealand. It's it really is. It's, you know. Yeah. It really is. I don't know who in the world could have ever predicted. I mean, look, I went through the recession and, you know, but that, that was like a six to nine month buildup. You know, things kind of progressively got worse, you know, and no point in time was, I think, as a business ever prepared to lose 80 plus percent of my income or revenue in a two week period. So, boy, talking about having to pivot and pivot 
incredibly fast. That is seems to be the the overall strategy of everything right now is how fast can we pivot? But you know, because of what's happened, you know, everything's changed. The customers change. I mean, I know I've changed. I mean, I know I, I've used this analogy now a couple times, but you know, um, I don't think I'll ever go back into a grocery store. I mean, I have three kids under the age of ten. Right, going into a grocery store, store guys, was like a black ops mission. Okay, it was like we're gonna go to this aisle, we're gonna get this done. There's no talk. Everyone's gonna be quiet, and we're gonna be in, and we're gonna be out, we're gonna be on our way, and it's just. Consumers changed. I mean, I'm doing so much of my ordering now from this device, mm -hmm. you know, and in a very clean, awesome process where I can just pull up, I just flip open the tailgate, they toss it in, I drive off, I'm I'm being more productive, spending less time. So the consumers kind of changed that way, and the markets had to adapt to a different way of retail, and not just you know that industry, but all retail in general. You know, so I think that's kind of a great place to kind of start off our conversation, guys. Is I would like to hear you know your thoughts and opinions on how the customer and the market has changed glenn i'll start with you and then jeff i'll ask you the same question um it's interesting i think you know for your example of the supermarket i like going to the supermarket it's a place for me that's therapy because i go by myself and i and i i like to cook so i like seeing things and the thought of someone picking the produce they, they're not as good as me. So that that's just me. But having to wear masks and watching to Jeff's point, this, you know, we, we had to, for a while, we had to wait online. So they only let a certain number of people in. And people are, once you're in there, people are next to each other. They're touching things, putting it back down and you're going. So what is, it was a very mixed message. But oh. I think for from what you're saying is, I think that, a lot of people are, are doing more research online because they can. I think there's going to be a lot of change in businesses. You know, just look at Zoom stock has gone crazy. Um, but all of those shopping things like Instacart or all of these different ones where someone's going to go. I mean, it's it's madness now in, in the supermarkets because probably half of the people are in there are those shoppers to fulfill your order. So there is a whole new industry coming out of this. Um I think that businesses just have to be prepared for the fact that people are coming out of this unsure physically what they're supposed to do. But I think it's convenience. I think that convenience that you were looking at in terms of shopping, you know, that it's a very cliche, the thing said the Amazon effect, right? Because I can go find whatever, but it is that idea of I, I can, on my computer, on my phone, I can short, you know, search, shop, read reviews, make decisions, and then I push a button and two days later, it's on my front porch, or I can go pick it up. And I think retail, you know, for the industry we serve, retail has been long hesitant because of what we were talking about pre-show is this concept of I have to get them in here before I can start my process. That's gone part because they had to pivot to your comment there before they had to pivot because, you know, as Jeff mentioned, I'm in New Jersey, we were locked down, you, you know, for a while there was nothing. Then they went to, you could have your service open. Then they went to, well, if you want to sell a car, it has to be by appointment, which means almost everything had to be done over the phone, online, chat, text, however, DR tool, whatever you want to say. And basically you came to pick up the car. I think uh, I've been writing about it and talking about it. I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle. I think people are going to say, can we find some medium ground of that where, yeah, I, I want to come in and see the car, but I don't want to spend 15 hours in the dealership to do my stuff. So if I can do, so I think dealers have to allow and focus on that experience on the phone of getting as much as I want to do online and then when I come see Jeff in the showroom, he picks up where I left off and we get this thing done. I think that's what dealers were thinking about. You have progressive dealers that started it. But I think everybody, I think I wrote an article two or three weeks ago, it basically said everybody got pushed in the pool, whether you wanted it to be it or not. So you have people who are drowning, you have people who think they're doing a good job, which they're not. And then you have the other people who are like lapping everybody. So I think that's, that's where we're going. 
And especially for retail, they, they want to get to that point of that Instacart concept. Well, I think at the core of it, it's, it's that convenience and that productivity that we kind of talked about, right? Like I have an appointment next week for my Nissan Armada. I've been having some transmission issues. Um, you know, I'm losing power right around 1500 RPMs. So when I call the dealership, I'm like, I, I need to make an appointment. I, I need you to slot out some time because this is not just an oil change. I, I need to make sure you got the right tech there and everything. And um, they offered to me as a convenience. They're like, well, would you like us to come pick it up for you? Mm. Well, I was new. I was like, when did you guys start doing that? He goes, well, we, we started doing it recently. And I said, well, how much is it? He goes, it's $29.99, so an extra 30 bucks. So, you know, to your kind of point earlier, Glenn, I'm kind of used to right now paying for a little extra convenience and a little extra, extra productivity, right? I'll, I'll pay for that shopper to go shop for me. I'll pay for that person to deliver my food or so on. So I'm like, 30 bucks? All right, sure, that saves me. It's going to save me the hours of having to wait there. Do I really want to wait there in the first place? But yeah, I mean, as an industry, I will have to say, I'll give props to our industry, actually, guys. Um, you know, in the last two months, and for an industry that's not <laughs> used to changing <laughs> or willing to change, you know, for the general body of dealers out there, I think I've done a pretty phenomenal job actually of kind of stepping up to the plate. Now the game is actually starting, you know, so we'll see how it goes. But Jeff, what are your kind of thoughts on how the customer and the market has changed and how that's going to affect our industry? You know, it's really interesting. I gave a talk to about 100 BMW dealers back in at the end of January. And I, one of the things I talked about was the whole concept or whole issue, the whole challenge, the big challenge of margin compression. And I said, if buying a car is a commodity, there is no solution to margin compression. None. Right. And I said, the battle of the retail car business is a battle to decommoditize the car buying process. Right. So if we start with what we know and what we believe, all right, I believe three things about the retail car shopping or purchase experience. Number one, all right, it's complex and it's going to continue to get complex. You know, not is it just complex about the financing, about my trades worth and my leasing it or a negative equity and all those things, but it's complex based on the new product coming out. As we see new hybrid vehicles and electric vehicles and all this new technology, new platforms coming together and OEMs merging what we're seeing globally and the pressure internationally to shift the industry, it's going to be complex. You know, which model is the right one for me? Number two, it's going to be experiential. You know, 70% of customers still say the test drive is an important part of the buying process, right? And what is it? 73% say that they'll drive further for a good salesman to help them or saleswoman, salesperson, right? So we know there's an experiential component, all right? And the third thing is it's passionate. I mean, it's personalized. I mean, I, I, I get passionate about the color of my vehicle <laughs> and I'm in the industry. And so because of those things, there's unique opportunity, I think, for dealers to, to really personalize the buying process. Glenn, you're absolutely right. We need to give customers options to do things online. We absolutely do. But then we need to be able to grab our computer and go, hey, I'm just going to shoot you a little virtual walk around video. Matter of fact, in April, there was a sales rep at one of the dealerships in Calgary that sold 21 vehicles in April in the middle of a pandemic. Right. And he did by sending 71 videos to customers, little videos he shot of walk arounds in vehicles. Now, that's someone being innovative. That's somebody trying to personalize and create an experience even online. So I think we have a very unique opportunity. And I, I agree. We were in an industry that has not been a leader online. As a matter of fact, the, all the other retailers and all the other industries have gone ahead and defined what an online experience could or should be like. So we have, we've been reactive and hey, you know, it's a complex purchase. So we have an opportunity, I think, whether it be through an appointment culture, whether it be through how we interact with the customer over the phone and really take a, a good interest in their needs and have a discovery conversation. But we have that opportunity to personalize and set up the right experience for them. And it, See, I think, I think all of that, what you're saying is, can be really boiled down to a very simple thing is the fact that we as consumers now are very comfortable working, dealing online. And you make a good point, Jeff, is that every other business, you talk to people online, you can connect to somebody, you click a button and somebody's there, you're chatting with someone. The reason why we haven't changed is we didn't have to. It was still successful and people were making money. So why do I need to change my process? Um, I think it comes down to just a very simple thing. I, I launched an article today to just basically say, connect and speak and communicate with the customer wherever they want to be, mm -hmm. whenever they want to be there and help them and, and keep it simple. You know, what would you say if they were standing in front of you on the lot? It's that simple. 
So why can't you say that over chat? Why can't you say that over phone? Why can't we FaceTime? Why can't I pop into, if I have a tool online, why can't I pop a chat up and say, hey, Jeff, I see you're sort of hanging at this point. Can I help you with something? Or why do we have to have a form for check availability or scheduled test drive? Why can't, why can't it just go to some live person? Because most of the dealerships have people who have time on their hands. It's the oddest thing. And so I think this whole push to saying why, because I think customers are getting frustrated. The, I saw a great quote one time saying that you're no longer being judged. I think it was Brian, uh, I can't remember who it was now, uh, Shep Hyken, big customer experience guy. And he said, you know, you're no longer being judged against your competitor. You're being judged against every other business the consumer interacts with. So it isn't, and, and dealers are finally waking up to it isn't, well, I compete with Jeff's dealership. So if Jeff does this, as long as I do it, it's like, dude, you are now Instacart. You are this, you are that. It's that convenience and speed. And why are you making it hard to do business? To your point, Jeff, if, if all of this is complex, why are we making it even more difficult to just even talk to us? Well, we've, yeah, always, we've just, always made it difficult, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it, I mean, for the most part, as an industry, we're the ones that have always wanted to steer the conversation. We're the ones that want to define what the process is. You know, I think, and to your point, Glenn, is that that's what all the other industries decided to do, is that they gave the control of the process to the consumer. And, and the funny thing is, for a lot of them, it was more profitable. So, so we do, we have to adapt. We have to do, we have to give them that ability to decide how they want to purchase a car. We can't tell them. It's like a dealership maybe needs to create three or four different processes and say, which one would you like to go down to, you know, but with the, even once we have those processes defined, you know, it's like, how do we get customers into the dealership right now? I mean, I know, you know, uh, Jeff, you were talking about, you, you, you have some dealerships in France that are just now opening up. Um, I mean, Glenn, I know where you are the dealerships are now opening up. I just, our dealerships just started opening up and I have talked to a lot of dealerships and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do they say to their customers? And Glenn, to your point earlier, you know, it's like what we should be saying to them is what we normally say to them on a lot. I mean, these old, you know, the old idea of yelling out huge discounts, low lease rates, I think we have to market to the customer, not at the customer, but I'm actually, that's kind of my next question for you guys is what should we be marketing to our customers now and how should we do that? Glenn, I'll start with you and then Jeff, I'll ask you the same question. Well, I, it's very funny because Jeff, I also worked in the hospitality business restaurants for a long time and it always I find a lot of similarities in restaurants and dealerships because every day can be different, but there are structures and things that you have to follow in order to be successful. But in terms of marketing, you know, it's the same thing. I think Jeff hit it really well. It's experiential. I mean, think of all the restaurants where you live. And if I came to, to, to visit and I said, okay, Jeff, I'm buying dinner. Where do we go eat? You're going to go here. And it's not just going to be because the food or the price, you're gonna say, boy, they take care of you, right? So if the car is the car is the car, we should be marketing. It's fine, one of you said it earlier and it was a great point and I don't think we should skim over it is, why should I even do business with you? I think we get caught up in the deal discount price. I think you should be marketing the fact that we'll do it online. We already know that you don't wanna come in yet because you're still, we're all trying to figure this out. So here's what we're gonna do. Do as much as you want online. We'll talk to you. We'll pick up. You want to come in and test drive it? Hey, it'll be clean and sanitized and we can be done with this. I think, I think the, the idea of an appointment should no longer be to start the deal. I think the appointment should be to pick up your damn car. And so I think marketing should be about convenience, speed, we're here, We'll we'll do whatever you want to do. Answer. We'll talk to you. All of that. On top of we're safe, we're clean, or whatever, and 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 people are going to come in. But I think if you go to market with that, I think you get more opportunities to talk. And then to Jeff's point is stop making it so damn hard and confusing. Like the only time you're going to get the truth is if you come in here. Like I got the I'm the keeper of the secrets, right? Versus yeah. I'll give you everything right now. And people are so used to that, they're going to come in. And then to Jeff's point is, give them a great experience. 
that's what you need to be focused on. I love that, Glenn. I mean, I, I love the idea of marketing process over product. Because um, I think in reality, you know, what we're going to see from dealers that are going to be successful moving forward is they're going to have to process their way to profitability. Um, I don't think any, look, I mean, we're all marketing people here. There, there, there's no magic pill. There's no diet pill or 12-minute ab uh, solution for, for this. It's, it's really processing our way to profitability. But Jeff, and, and before Jeff starts, uh, but his point before was about margins. You're not going to make it up on the car. But if I told what we're seeing, at least down here, some of our clients and some other people have called us up, is because they've leveraged the technology, because they're getting so much done online, they're selling 70% of their pre-COVID levels, right? 80% of their pre-COVID levels with 40% of their previous staff. So to Jeff's point, if you want to start compressing, it's going to be, I can, if I could come back and sell what I sold before with half of my labor, why That's not, where right? you're going to start getting more to profitability to, to Jeff's point earlier. Oh, for sure. Uh, Jeff, you, kind of your thoughts on what we should be marketing to our customers now and how should we be doing so? Well, you know, one of the distinctions that I think we miss sometimes, and and yes, we want to serve the customer. We, we, that, we exist to serve the customer, but it's not about customer leadership. It's about sales leadership. The customer still needs to be led through the process. Yes, we want to lead them with options so they get to choose what the next step is. But if we're going to have the opportunity to really delight them, to give them options, all right? This is one of my favorite, to give them options they didn't know they had. If we haven't been able to engage and ask them really good questions, that's where we build value as a professional in the industry. It's not just not point, click and buy. Now for some it will, but not for the majority of people. I think a lot of us are still very highly relational. We want someone to guide us through this complex, um, uh, this complex car purchase experience. So I think uh, we have to keep in mind that part of our job is to be a sales leader, is to lead the customers with good questions and giving them options, not by withholding information or manipulating, but giving them options and give them options they didn't know they had. And oh my goodness, wow, you're going to build value, create value. The other thing which which we found has been hugely effective, and and I, I got to tell you guys, it's 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 so common sense, but it's so powerful. We'd adopted a strategy in, in middle of April where we would work with dealers and reach out to their customers with our call center. And, and we would reach out to customers saying, hey, just call in to see if we can help you. We called to help them. We called because, you know, we had customers just like you who needed a vehicle service work done, had a vehicle breakdown, had their lease expiring, had a, had a son or daughter who was taking public transport and didn't want them taking public transport so they needed a smaller used car. We had so many customers just like you. We just want to reach out and make sure you're okay and see how we can help you right? And by offering to help them, the actual response rate was 50% higher than if we had just called pre-pandemic to sell them. So if you reach out to customers sincerely with a desire to help and saying, and then giving them options, we just want to reach out to help you um, because customers just like you have A, B, C, D, or E. And if that applies to you, how can I be of, be of assistance? Oh my goodness, that just opens doors. And to this day, I'm, I was reading reports from one of our campaigns this week in Ontario, where you are, Jason, this dealer was so scared to talk to his customers and we walked him through the script and the word tracks, forgive me, it's uh, word tracks, um, and how there would be dialogue involved. And he said, okay, let's try it. And sure enough, <laughs> we helped him book 15 service appointments, also found some sales opportunities. So I've been rambling a little bit, forgive me, but I'm very passionate about this, about uh, sales leadership and certainly about being able to reach out with a helping offer and stumbling across opportunities to help them upgrade their vehicle. Well, you know, we're definitely seeing right now uh, the cream rising to the top. I'm sure you guys are seeing a lot of this right now. I mean, mm -hmm. from a manager's perspective, from ownership's perspective, from salespeople's perspectives, I mean, I, we are going to see the best of the best kind of rise. And some of the people, to your point, Glenn, you were kind of mentioning it earlier, you know, uh, there are a lot of dealerships out there, they're doing a lot with a little. And, you know, the, the idea of that notion of just flooding your floor <laughs> I think it's going to go away and it, people are going to really take note of who's on the floor and you know what you know what they're trained to do and i think a lot of that has to do with around the appointment i mean i i, I know we've always push 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 give them the door give them the door give them the door but it's starting that conversation and creating that appointment on that customer's time to be able to do that but i think that's kind of a, a fundamental culture shift for a lot of dealerships and i'd love to kind of get your guys's thoughts on that is how do we create an appointment 
culture within our dealership? Glenn, I'll ask you the question, and then Jeff, I'll ask you the same. See, I actually think we're asking the wrong question because that's the problem is that it's what does the appointment do? Meaning the, the problem in the past was the appointment, we couldn't do anything till you came in here. So BDCs or even salespeople, they you know gave them enough to get them to come in to go like, all right, I guess I got to come in to, to do this. Like, ugh, like, why can't you answer my question, right? Literally, and, and to Jeff's point, and, and Brian, my brother and I talk about it all the time is this concept of serve. Like I, I said earlier, like a very simple thing is like, is this car available? And you push it and it's a form. So that basic, so that think about the lot. Somebody said, Hey, Jeff, is that car available? Give me your name. I'll call you tomorrow. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? So we've done this whole thing to just satisfy. We have leads and get names and then we chase people. We chase people. So now I got to chase Jason about checking availability, but he's moved on. He's now doing something else and now I'm interrupting him and he's like, I don't even want to talk to you now. Why weren't you there when I needed you, right? So the point is the appointment culture, we have to sort of smash the whole thing of saying and break that concept of, well, if I give them too much information, they're going to shop and they're going to go somewhere else. At the end of the day, they're going to do that anyway. But we always design our processes for those 15, 20% that are always going to go bargain hunting. And we've missed the 80% that will pay us more to have a better experience. And so I think if all of what we should be learning is, well, I would ask any dealer right now to say, what did you do when you were closed? If you couldn't have showroom traffic, what did you do to sell cars? Don't stop that. Build on that. Get answer questions. People came in and bought cars. Now, how can you replicate that? How can you expand that so that you can sell more? And then you'll still have people coming in. I just think the idea of an appointment being let's sign paperwork, do more, fin, you know, finagle and find it, you know, is this the right car? Let me quickly test drive this. But we're 90% there instead of we're 10% there. And now we got to do that 80% in the middle or whatever it is to, and, and that's where that time, let me pass you over to someone else. Right? So to Jeff, to your point, I always use the analogy and people started laughing. Think about when you waited tables, you were a manager, right? I was a manager. I waited, did everything in restaurants. Can you imagine someone coming up to you and going, well, I'm the drink waiter. Oh, Jason's going to come over. He's the specials waiter. Oh, you want pasta? Hold on. I got to go to Jeff. He's our pasta waiter. And someone else is the steak waiter. And someone else is the fish waiter. Well, that's what we do in the, in the dealership. Oh, you have a question about F&I? I got this person. Oh, you want to talk about used cars? Uh, value your trade? Oh, I got someone over here. Hold on. I got to give you the mat. Like, I mean, we just make the process so complex instead of just saying, now, part of it is the manufacturer. Part of it is all the features. But at the end of the day, we still make it harder instead of saying, can I just talk to one person? One person. Can I do this whole deal with one person? And that's what they're finding out in this this era is because managers are doing it more top salespeople who can do F and I and walk people through the product. They're going, why do I need 15 people anymore? And the customers go, this was much better. So I think that's where we, we have to go. And the appointment should be closer to just picking up the car than starting the conversation. That's what I think we have to get to. I, I think that's really interesting, Glenn. I think just going straight for, straight to conversation, removing everything, every single little form or gateway, or you know, just get straight into the conversation, and the appointment only being, you know, the the actual delivery or you know finalization of of the product. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be really cool. I, again, it'd, it'd be interesting, of course, to see you know who actually. Ends well, up. we're doing it. We have, a, we, have, we, have a, right? we do. We have a couple of clients who have done it because we've been coaching them That's through cool. the whole retailing process. They've removed all the forms from their websites, and their sales opportunities have gone through the roof. Why? Because now they're having conversations earlier on, and so people don't have to leave and go to another website. They don't have to go to the other dealer because when I push the button and ask for get e-price or, hey, tell me about this, guess what? Jeff popped up and said, hey, I'm the manager here. What can I help you with? Lo and behold, 
like Jeff said, I can start having those conversations, start talking about options, give them options. They now I just start come talk to me. They know I like Jeff. I'm not going anywhere else. That that's true because you get that instant connection. Jeff, um, exactly. your thoughts kind of on that appointment culture and how that may change within our dealership. I think we have to go. What is the purpose of an appointment culture? What is the purpose of having an appointment with a customer? And one of the core fundamental reasons to have an appointment, um, which is the reason to have an appointment culture, is we want more appointments, is that we can be prepared for the customer. I mean, oftentimes I'm in front of dealers or dealer groups and I tell this story. I say, you know what? We knew Glenn was coming in at three o'clock today. So, man, are we ready for him? We've pre-appraised his tray. We've checked the service history on it. We know which vehicle he's coming in to look at. We've got a couple of vehicles selected, pre-selected for him. You know, managers ready to meet him and shake his hand when he gets here. We are ready. We have an opportunity to deliver an incredible customer experience. Oh, but Jason, dang, I didn't know Jason was coming. And at one o'clock, oh, everybody's on their lunch break. Manager's not around. The vehicle he wants to see is in the back. It's not even ready. There's no gas in it. Photocopier is jammed. The photocopy is driver's license for a test drive. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed before I get started almost. Now, that's an extreme example. But you know what, when we do have an appointment, if we see the appointment as my chance to shine, to make the unfun fun, to give Jason and, or Glenn an incredible uh, experience in my store, you know, we can't forget, and I don't think it's changed that much yet, and, and maybe it won't ever change. There's three purchases that happen when somebody buys a car. First, they buy the person then they buy the product and then they buy the opportunity or the deal. Remember the old clothes we used to use, the three Ps? Is it, is it me? Is this the thing I did? Is it the car? You don't like the car price? Is it the price? Person, product, price, or the three Ms, me, money, machine. You know, it was a classic clothes and it, all of us in the business used it thousands of times, but it was based on the three buying decisions. And so I think uh, the power of connection is certainly to, to, to Glenn's point, when you respond promptly, when you're like, wow, that's a great question. Let, let me share some information with you. When you're not withholding, when they don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, you, you, that helps build that connection. That, and that combined the speed and efficiency with the quality of the interaction and the empathy. My, I bought that person. I want to do business with that person, right? Now they're going to be my guide to help me find the right vehicle. And I'm likely going to trust them when the opportunity is presented financially, right? And again, it's every dealership has their own systems and processes. But if we say that we want to have an appointment culture because we, our customers deserve that we take good care of them, right? And then that appointment could be any, anywhere along the, the stage of buying that that customer has decided to go with us. All right. So for giving them options on the phone where we can have an exploratory conversation over the phone first uh, and we engage them well and have dialogue. It's all about dialogue. We call them intelligent conversations with customers, you know. And so if we're able to do that effectively, we can have appointments. We can build our entire sales process around appointments. We can set our goals and forecasts around appointments. We can then look at Glenn, you know, what percent of my appointments are going to come from my Conquest digital marketing? What percent are going to come from my portfolio of, of business that I'm working? And we can we have a lot of unique opportunities when we're intentional about appointments. Yeah. But and I think to your point, Jeff, what it, it, it's I think it's breaking down. And I think you started that your, your, your answer correctly. It's the appointment. We should be building our business around the appointment, meaning when they show up, we should be giving them a great experience, right? Picking up where we left off, right? So again, the problem is a lot of dealerships are stuck into, I can't get started till you show up. So and, I know, don't perhaps- even want to... I agree. Absolutely. Perhaps the appointment is to have a phone call with them or to have a Zoom call with them. Perhaps the appointment isn't necessarily just an appointment to be in the store, but it's an appointment to have a to have a meaningful, engaging, quality conversation. I just think that it's that concept of I go back to it. What would you do if they walked up on the lot? Sure. How would you greet them? What would you ask them? Right. A million different questions. I say this all the time. You both have seen it. So if 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 Jason comes on. It's a Nissan. What, what do you, what's your car, your Nissan? What do you have, Jason? Armada. Okay, so he comes on the lot and he points to me and he goes, hey, how are you? I introduced myself. I said, what, what are you doing here? And he goes, hey, that Armada over there. What do you tell me about that Armada? I start going, that's an awesome vehicle. A lot of my customers have it. And as we walk across the lot, I start asking Jason, to your point, Jeff, the exploratory questions. What do you like? Have you driven one before? Are you leasing? Are you buying? Blah, 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 blah. All of those things. How come when Jason points to that same vehicle on our virtual showroom, 
our website. Sure. Do my response is here's your car when you want to come in. Hey, did you get my email? When do you want to come in? Hey, uh, I haven't heard from you. Do you have any other questions? When you like, like it's silly that we don't treat his pointing out the vehicle on the virtual showroom with the same respect, the same consistency to Jeff, your point of the same process of engaging and being there for them and giving that experience. Why is it different? Right. And a lot of times I go back to, we're not even staffing our virtual showroom because of the forms. You're basically telling them nobody's here. It's 11 o'clock in the morning and you have a question about a car. Nobody's here. Call us. Nobody's here. Nobody's here to help you. I mean, think about that. So I think you're right, Jeff. The appointment can be anywhere. So I don't want to get caught up in the, uh, I don't Mm -hmm. want dealers to get caught up of, but that's what they do is appointment starts this. And I'm saying the appointment, the conversation starts somewhere. Maybe the appointment is when they physically show up and then you have a process to what do we do to wow them when they get there. But they should have been wowed by you to your point, Jeff, about buying the person and I'm selling them on the product when they get here or else they're coming in guarded going, oh man, I got to deal with you. Here they go. The dealers, they hide stuff and they show up on the lot guarded and then you can wow them all to death and they go, that's bull crap. You know, you're Brian, your brother, Brian talks about dealers having a brand promise. I've heard him talk about that multiple times. And I think that's powerful. One of the things we started doing last year, as we would call and confirm appointments is we said, stop calling it a confirmation. It is not a confirmation. It's a virtual meet and greet, right? Mm -hmm. We're calling to add value. We're calling to tell a customer how grateful they are that they're giving us an opportunity, you know, because they have many choices, places they could go. And when you act, and then part of what we would do is say, hey, just, you know, here's what typically happens when a customer visits our dealership. We, we do these three things, you know? And so we kind of put our process or a brand promise out front. And we use risk reverse language, obviously, and language to engage that customer. And I think to, to your point too, Brian, this on, on a virtual showroom, who's typically engaging with those, those virtual customers? Is it a BDC rep? Is it a bot, a bot, excuse me? Is it, uh, who is it, you know? And why have we relegated that? You know, we're so easy to try to eliminate people as the problem or as the cost in the business. I'd rather see us have just as many people, but far more efficient, far more effective because those soft skills, that's part of the art of selling, of leading the customer that I think is part of the decommoditization of the car business. When I have someone that I can have an engaging conversation, that's the soft skills to, to interact with me. Um, and, and I don't see a lot of teaching and training on those soft skills anymore. Well, that's because uh, for a lot of the times, we just stop training about the experience. Like, honestly, we, just, we almost kind of just kind of stop talking about it. I mean, I, I think for a fair amount of dealerships out there, they've done a good job, and Glenn, you were talking about earlier, is defining that in-dealership experience. Uh, I think for the most part, we execute it pretty well. I mean, definitely some better than others, but it's like we totally forgot about our digital dealership. Like we, we just totally forgot that, that that dealership is there, in fact, gets more traffic <laughs> and more engagement than our physical dealership does. And I think that's, and you guys have already kind of started this next, started answering this next question, but I just want to define the question real quick so that I can get it out of both of you, is, is you know, how does that dealership create that better online experience? How do they take what we've done well physically and bring it, you know, digitally. I know during, you know, all this COVID-19, we've had, we've been forced to do that, but I think the game has just begun. I think everyone stepped up to the plate. Now, actually the game has just begun. I'd love to get both of you guys' thoughts on how do we create that better online experience moving forward? I know you guys have already touched a little bit, a little bit on that, but Glenn, I'll start with you. Well, I, I, I think you're, you're right. Everybody got pushed into the pool. You know, people's dealerships got shut down and said, if you want to sell, you got to figure this out. Now, some of them have digital retailing tools and they just threw the tool on and thought, okay, now they were scrambling to figure it out. Other places, what happened was, is they had to furlough or lay off, or in some cases, terminate some salespeople. So the only people that were left were your general managers, general sales managers, top who could do everything. And because they only could talk on the phone, they did exactly that. They started talking to them as if they were sitting in front of them. If they emailed, well, then I'm emailing you the information so that you will eventually call me or whatever, right? They forced their hand without thinking about it. So I think the, the problem with dealerships 
in my opinion, and I've talked to them about this, is the fact that we've allowed technology and the world and whatever we want to talk about it to move past. My belief has always been BDCs were created because leaders in the, in the, in the dealership allowed salespeople to go, well, I can't, I'm not answering the phones. I'm not sending emails. I'm not good at that. So then it was like, well, do I get rid of him or her because they sell cars? Oh, I'll go hire someone else. But then the argument is I'll find somebody who has to just point the soft skills or you soft skills, who's good on the phone and they can handle computers, but don't you sell. That's over there to that person. So I think if you took a step back and just said, okay, let's just pause everything. If you looked at your website as a consumer and said, where am I throwing obstacles? Why? Why do I need a form? Why do I have 87 call to actions on a VDP? Why do I have two trade-in tools? Why do I have get today? Here's your price. Here's your discount. Here's the, here's the dealership price, but get today's price. Like who does today's price? And every day is today's new price. And everybody thinks it's a game. So now they don't believe your website. Then it's confusing. What button do I push? Right. And then it's just here's form after form, which leads to everybody using the junk email that we possess. Right. We give them some fake number, John Smith, and then your BDC to Jess point earlier efficiency. Well, probably 25% of the leads are garbage because you force people. You said, here's your price, calculate your payment, but you got to give me your name to use the tool. Okay go away at goawaygmail.com and I get my access and then you're going, Hey, but we got all these leads. How come we didn't set appointments? You're fired. You're like, it's nuts. So I think if we just said to ourselves from two ends, what would we do if they were standing in front of me? Go look at your email communications. And are we saying the same thing? If not, fix them. What do we say when somebody gets on the phone? If we're not saying the same thing as if Jeff standing in front of me, do that. Then go look at your website and say, where would a customer go through? Are there obstacles? If I push a button, am I going to talk to Jeff? If my start on a VDP or if I'm in a tool and I'm there too long because you know how long they're there because the tools will alert a manager. Hey, Jeff, someone's in the tool over here. Why can't Jeff pop up after a little bit and do what he just said? I'm here to help you. I know the car buying process is confusing. I'm here to help you. Like, I don't under, that to me would be a great auditing, auditing starting point. The fear that I have is that when we go back to whatever normal, you know, no masks or whatever, or people get used to coming back in, everyone goes, okay, we can go back to what we used to do because that worked. And you're going to frustrate consumers even more because they got a taste of it and said, that was damn easy. Now we're back to that's, making it hard. That's so a really good both point, I think those are both ways that you could just very simple. Like it's not complex. Just what would you say? Go look at your emails. If you're not saying it, retype the damn thing. No, it's it's creating a disconnect. It's that handoff from your virtual dealership to your physical dealership. And mm -hmm. I think for years it's been like this far off. And I think you'll find the most progressive dealerships out there, like the Bent Stocks, you know, and, you know, they're, they're finding ways to try to get that line way more closer where it's a just a linear transition from digital to physical. Um, and I think it's because to your point, we've all said this, the customer demands it now. It, I think we're beyond the point, guys, of any of this being a good idea. <laughs> or a, a novel strategy. It's We're at the point now where the customer demands it. But Jeff, I'd like to get your thoughts on how does a dealership create a better online experience during COVID and then of course moving forward as we progressively open up? Sure, well, I think one of the things we haven't done a good job of differentiating is the difference between customer service and customer experience. And you know, there, there's multiple ways to define that. Typically customer service in my books is reactive. Somebody clicked a link, they inquired, they called, they walked in, we're reacting. Whereas customer experience is proactive. And actually, it, it's longer. It starts before they start shopping, if it's someone in our portfolio, and it continues on after they make that purchase. Why? Because they're in our portfolio. All right? And so if we're thinking that the experience, not just the service, we're actually trying to anticipate our customers' needs. 
right? That's a big part of it. And whether that's somebody who's in your database that you want to make sure you reach out to four times a year, twice a year with a goodwill message, or twice a year with the sales message, or whatever rhythm you determine is going to give you the yield of retention in your dealership. And then the other side of it too is on a day-to-day basis, we have an appointment culture. Why? So we can be prepared for the customer. So we can have a huddle every day and say, okay, who's coming in on appointments today? How are we preparing to deliver a quality, high value experience? Same thing with your one-on-ones as a sales manager. Most one-on-ones are looking backwards, driving with the rearview mirror. How many ups did you have yesterday? What did you do? How many test drives? No, how many appointments have we created? How can I help you create appointments for today? How can I help you add value to customers today? You know, so it's it's that it's 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 a whole different mindset when you start thinking of a high value customer experience. And you need to be prepared for that customer and you need to be intentional about that customer and try to anticipate their needs. I think anticipating their needs right now, or at least respecting what their needs are, is as an industry is what's going to prove what's going to push us to success. And for us to Absolutely. do that, we ha- we have to process sure. it. It all comes down to processing the crap out of it. Well, um, it, it it's twofold. It's the process, but I'm sure Jeff has run across it. Um, that's why he has. We all have businesses because what Jeff just described, Jeff, honestly. In, in your experience, what you just talked about, forward thinking. Well, yeah, we can look about what happened yesterday, but it's more about having that huddle. Who's coming in today? Are we prepared? Having con- really good one-on-ones. Like what percentage of dealerships do you see that really happening in? O- on a consistent basis, meaning process-driven, we don't stop. It, it happens. In a, what would you say? Oh, it's, it's probably less than 10%. Right. So that's the point. Like that's the struggle. And that's why some of the the more progressive dealers, the ones who are process driven, who just say, you know, think of it this way. And Jeff will understand when you worked in a restaurant, especially even a franchise restaurant, remember we're, they're franchises, right? Mm -hmm. They're franchises theoretically. But if, if Jeff gets hired, right. And and he goes in and he's the manager of pick any franchise you want. He's the new manager who comes in because this store was struggling. Jeff doesn't come in and go, all right, we're throwing everything out. We're going to do it my way. They're going, we already have processes. We already have systems in place. I need you to make those people better at our processes, not change. Now, if you have some ideas, great. But that's what happens is, is that it's very personality driven. It's very ego driven there's not a lot of process there's not a lot that's why we you know we need to build process driven success accelerated by people as that x factor rather than personality driven success which has been a lot of the industry but we've had two major exoduses of talent from the industry in the last 20 years two major ones you know, so there has been a lot of talent drain. There has been a lot of salespeople promoted into managers. And there is a lack of this leadership type training to show what are the best practices of the top stores. And, yeah, you know, how, how many I, actually know how to create a process? You know, how many managers actually actually know how to create one? Right. Sorry. Anyways, go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. And, and uh, you know, that's why, again, you know, we, we exist and, and I have the honor of working with great stores and going and sharing and learning best practices and sharing them. And, and so do my 135 trainers when they're in dealerships. And my job is to keep them abreast and say, okay, what is the process and how, how does it actionable in a store? Because you're right. There are certain things that we just know. We know that if a dealership does one-on-ones every day with their salespeople, we know what the product will do, the productivity to the retention, all those things. But then where does it fit in the day of a sales manager? Because today two managers do what three managers used to do. Right. And how do we help them understand how to make the priorities and prioritize their time and interact with their people? So it's uh, it's it's (laughs) it's quite an opportunity. But the opportunity is there. And I think dealers are realizing right now that, you know what, we've been shifting by inches. And now we have a chance, an opportunity to shift by feet. And let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. Right. And I think to your point is that there is a lot of, to Jason's point about, and what you said, Jeff, people do get promoted into positions. And there was a talent drain. Some of it was just aged out. People retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but but things have changed now. And yes, people are doing more, but I think sometimes it's busy work that just they like being busy instead of efficient or effective. But I don't think, I think if there's one big flaw or missing piece, I wouldn't say flaw, missing piece in automotive is that leadership training. People get promoted 
and they go figure it out. And there's nobody out there. I mean, it's why I started my YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago because I just got frustrated. I said, I'm just going to give content out to people to say, listen, here's just some mm -hmm. tips on how, because I saw so many times people were promoted and just left to flounder and then they get blamed and then they go, this is crazy. And then they go, and then to your point, Jeff, there's a, there's a leadership churn or potential good leaders there, but they're going, this is crazy. Like I'm being held accountable and nobody's helping me mm -hmm. figure it all out. Like I'd rather go somewhere else where I'll make a little less, but they actually do have training. And so I think why we have a lot of churn in our business is there has been no, like Enterprise Rent-A-Car has great management training. They work just as long or longer. Sure. In, I talked to a gentleman uh, one day when I was renting a car. He works 78 hours a week. But he knows that I do this training and I have that training and eventually I'll be a, a regional manager and I can do this type of thing. Like there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a crowd, yeah. go somewhere. And so it's not about there's people out there who don't want to work hard. It's not about, well, they have to work long hours in the dealership. There's tons of it's the fact of what's in it for me if I do this, other than, hey, you'll make some money. That only goes so far. Sure. And I think we have a unique opportunity. I know we're running out of time here, Jason, but we, when I try to travel around the world, especially in Europe and Australia, there's such a younger generation of sales professionals in the industry. We're seeing it more and more. We look at what percent of the sales staff are, are generation X and boomers versus generation Z and millennials, you know, and these young people, they are eager, but they are hungry for a pathway to success. Show me what I need to do. They want to be busy. They want to do meaningful work. Well, what's more noble than helping someone make one of the most important buying decisions and financial decisions of their, their life, one that they make every three to five to six years? That's a noble thing to do. So I think we have a, there's a neat opportunity here. Um, the, all the changes in the industry, what's happening with, with, with our recent pandemic and crisis, but there's a great opportunity for the industry to continue to shift and more substantially and intentionally towards what this noble industry can be. I think there's huge opportunity right now for uh, our leaders to invest back into their businesses or our owners to invest back into their businesses. And I, I get that question actually asked a lot right now. If I am going to invest anywhere in my business, where I'm going to invest and I hate to say it, but I don't necessarily believe it's in technology um, as much as it's in that leadership training. There's just, look, when I first got into the business, you know, I, I worked for Radio Shack before I got into the car business. And I went to Radio Shack because I read an article in Forbes magazine that talked about how they had the best management training in the world at that given time, right? Um, that's not necessarily the case anymore. But like, it was that that is what I was hungry for. And to your point, Jeff, I think there's a lot of people that are not necessarily interested in this industry because, you know, loud promises of six figure incomes and it is just not enough anymore um, because I don't know if necessarily it's always true. It, it's people looking for a direction. They want to know how they can progressively get um, increase their opportunities within the career path. Hey guys, I know it's getting towards the, ten of our, uh, the end of our time. So thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. Before you guys go, I get to ask my last question. You know, there's one, one thing on that before I started. Yes. Because I think what it is to that point is the only thing that a lot of people pitch in dealerships is sales. And they don't understand how big automotive is. What I, I taught at Northwood University, and there was so many people who they just understood the vastness, or we mm. talked to them about how big automotive really is, and all the different things you can do in this industry. But all we do is sell sales versus that pathway. And to Jeff's point, the more that you can give them this path, I think there's tons of people who are hungry. It's just well, if I, what happens if I don't do well in sales? You know, is there any other avenue? Um, so I think to your point is, I think if, if, if people started, they have enough technology, they don't need another damn piece of technology. Go invest in your people, figure out, hire Jeff, tell them to come in and teach them how to be, do leadership. I think that will retain and that will make dealerships able to do what Jeff was saying in terms of experience mm -hmm. and, and, and deliver that value to them. But you got to put your money in the right place and it's got to be the people now. And I think it's a wonderful time to do mm -hmm. that. I mean, I, I'm talking to a lot of people that I know within my LinkedIn community. There's a lot of talent in the pool right now. 
There's a lot, I mean, a lot of talent, more than I think there's ever been in the past, and they're looking for something to jump onto. Hey, guys, uh, before we sign off here, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you two fine gentlemen, um, what is the best way to do so? Glenn, I'll start with you. Uh, Well, on social media, it's just Glenn Pash on everything from LinkedIn to Facebook, Twitter. Those are probably the three that I do with the most. Uh, Then you can also get a hold of me at my company, pcgdigital.com. Pretty simple. I'll answer. I'll chat with you. Go out by the book. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, the book back here, that one. Yeah, that that one back there, right? Um, Hey, Jeff, for yourself, what is the best way to connect with you? Probably the best way is just go to, to our website, absoluteresults.com. And my email is jeff, J-E-F-F, at absoluteresults.com. There is a tab, which is the AR News tab, where you can subscribe. And as I publish articles and they get written and, and put out videos, you can uh, subscribe to those and, and receive those. That's probably the easiest way. And don't you have an ebook coming out? I do, yes, actually. Putting an ebook together, three keys to the restart. Um, and uh, it'll be available within the week. And I'll be happy to share it with you and your listeners as well. Awesome, guys. For everyone out there who's listening and watching right now, you better go and download that because it's a mandate. (laughs) Hey, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. You guys have yourself an amazing day. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that's the show. That's how we do it. Awesome. Cool. Right, guys, that was So fun. what's pissing you off right now? <laughs> I know. I didn't get a chance to ask it because I know I know it's running at, at the end of time, and that's okay. <laughs> I will have to say, guys, like this has been one of the best ones because I'll tell you, most of the time, I'm the one that's having to like poke and push and get the two guests to actually engage with each other. You guys just, it was awesome. Like I'm telling you, I, I'm just looking at this. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is like content gold right now. Please go, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the conversation <laughs> with you there. Pleasure meeting you. Jason. Great conversation. This was yeah. a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks. Cool. Have a good see one. You, awesome. See you. Bye. Bye.